Hello, welcome to another Richard Herring's Letter Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Herring, and this week's guest is called Eddie Izzard. I can't remember much about this one. It's probably worth sticking around and listening to, I'm not sure. Um, exciting news, my new DVD, Lord of the Dance Settee, is finally available at gofasterstripe.com. Uh, it's got lots of extras, uh, including uh, Me 1 versus Me 2 audio snooker frame, big interview with me, loads of other stuff on there, lots of behind-the-scenes interviews and stuff like that. Um, plus the show itself is a show I'm very proud of. Uh, it's a perfect Christmas gift for you, if you want to ask Santa to put on his list, or for one of your friends who you think likes me or might like me or might hate me, and you want to see their astonished face when they assume they've got a Mike Flatley DVD and then realise it's even worse, it's one of mine. They'll be disappointed, and then they'll be double disappointed. Uh, also, of course, you can get uh, if you want that. That money will go to me and Chris Evans, not that one, uh, which we will spend on our families. But if you want to help uh, make more Rich Chains Less Square Theatre podcast, you can also buy my Kickstarter DVD of me interviewing myself. Plus, it's got like over an hour of interviews with the guests from season seven. Uh, that uh, sorry, series seven that uh, were done backstage that never got broadcast to anyone except people who paid for monthly badges. So that's probably worth seeing if you enjoy the show. Uh, if you buy that, all that money will go towards season series nine of Rahalastapa. Um But go to gofasterstripe.com. You can buy either of those DVDs or indeed no, most of my DVDs and some books. They all make excellent presents. Probably just for yourself to buy yourself, because none of your family will know who I am or know that you like me or are interested in hearing me do hours and hours of comedy that isn't just me talking to other comedians. Just imagine that. I'm quite good. I'm actually quite good. Anyway, let's sit back and enjoy me listening to, I'm not an idiot, I mainly listen to him, Mr. Edward Izzard. Roll the titles. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man. He's still wearing his pyjamas from last week. What's wrong with him? His life is falling apart. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Love to be here. How are you doing? Uh, welcome to uh, the Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. This is Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Some of the cool kids have started calling it Rehearsal. Uh, I'll try to get away with it. Got some uh, interesting characters in the front row here. This is uh, an interesting character. How are you doing? What's your name? Bud. 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 Yeah, it's nice. What, got a sort of Doctor Who scarf? You a fan of Doctor Who? No, not remote. Not remote. <laughs> You're going to be the, uh, these guys here now. I, I don't think it's that good anymore. Uh, what do you do for a living, bud? Designer. You're a designer. What have you? Do you design scarves? Because you, uh, you know, obviously not. Because you're making, you're getting quite a lot of food. So uh, it's uh, uh, and um, <laughs> commercial stuff. Commercial interiors. It's a, it's a compliment. Commercial interiors. Yeah. Should I talk to you or should I talk to Eddie Izzard? What do you think? Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're in agreement, right? I mean, uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, I think you all know why we're here to see this guy. Uh, he's probably best known for his role of Reapy Cheap from the Chronicles of Narnia. We'll mainly talk about that. I'm hoping he's uh, out the bathroom. Will you please welcome Eddie Izzard, ladies and gentlemen? He isn't out the bathroom. Yes, he is out the bathroom. Sit down, pull up a microphone. Yeah. 
I thought you were going to the loo. Yeah, I was just I was, back there I was, thinking, I think I'd better get near the edge of the stage, otherwise <laughs> I'm going to be going, where the fuck am I going? <laughs> I was a bit concerned you weren't there, then I, but luckily you were. No, I was gravitating. So, uh, read for cheap. That's, I'm only going to talk for the... We've got 70 <laughs> minutes. I was fired from read for cheap. I was, I was, I was wondering... I think happened. there's been about three read for cheap. Have they? <laughs> um, he, he, I loved the Narnia books. My right. brother was the Lord of the Rings, and I was the Narnia books. Yeah. Um, there was a very interesting Christmas. My dad once... He, he would get... After my mum died, he would, he would make really wonderful Christmas and write messages from Santa saying, I'm sorry, the Ferrari is not possible, but we can do this, you know, we can do these presents and whatever. No reaction no, because you know, I, no, I don't think I ever. Did you ever ask? I don't know. Did you ever over ask when you were a kid? Yeah, you know, I, I really wanted a snooker table. I genuinely yeah. did. I went, I went on it. I now have a snooker table. It's My mum did this wonderful thing. We'd in, when I, we lived near Belfast uh, in Northern Ireland, we. We'd write it down. She said, write it out. And you write it out on a list, and then you put it into the fire, and right. it would go up the chimney. And yeah. uh, obviously she'd go, all right, I've got, I've got all that. And then, and, <laughs> but I just thought that, that was a beautiful thing. It's nice, yeah. Uh, but I, I don't remember ever, you know, ever saying, I want a Ferrari. <laughs> um, it was just, I want a choo-choo train or this, whatever. But anyway, Dad, so Dad would get us good stuff. And this, there was the presents, and there was the stocking thing, you know, the, you know that, that the little yeah. get things that go ping and whatever. And then one year, Dad actually said this on oh, in retrospect, ominous thing. This, this has no... Well, it does link to Rupert Um <laughs> He said, uh, it's been a tough year this year, so um, uh, Christmas is going to be a little bit, you know, sort of pared back. Yeah. And you're going, pared back? I don't know what this means and that stuff. <laughs> and, but I was, I was the greedy child, and my brother was this relaxed kind of, I don't know, okay, we've got some stuff, it's Christmas, okay, whatever. And we're in bunk beds, and every Christmas used to be, you know, so, I'm, up, I'm up, it's 6 a.m., God, 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 it's, God, 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 whatever that is. And there was, there was that noise, and after about 20 minutes of me sort of making noises and things and pulling things apart, my brother would gradually get up and look at his, the things in his stocking right and uh, there was that Christmas where dad said it was going to be paired back um, my brother remembers this as like a radio play like a radio 4 radio play so he's in the top bunk and it goes uh, fruit ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck that and then the light went back off and I went back to sleep that's <laughs> So I thought, I'm not going to sit around playing with fruit or even eating it or pretending to eat it because you've got to wait until it goes bad. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, we did. So I was that, and he, I remember one year we got, I got the map of Narnia and he got the map of right. um, um, the Lord of the Rings um, thing. Uh, you know, because Lord yeah, of the Rings... It's, it's, it's all made well, up. Middle Earth, it? yeah, but it's, it's a little bit, you know, here it is, and then there's the... And Rivendell, and, and it's all... It's not... It's a bit like... There's a chunk there, there's a chunk there, and the writers of Rohan are there, and, and it's just, it's a bit chunky. <laughs> not like Narnia, it's not as, it's not as good as oh, Narnia. Narnia's got this weird stuff, and then, <laughs> that, then there's the whole end bit where, yeah. uh, the, the last battle, where you've got, there's one, what's that, Susan, the elder uh, sister, and then she's not coming back when they're going up to this amazing place. She's not coming back because she's into boys and makeup. And so they've left her behind, and, and I was going, what? <laughs> 
And then I realised that he was a big religious guy. Yeah, and, and there's all this religious message in Aslan supposed to be God and all this. Yeah, stuff. my wife's reread them all recently. She's tried, she writes children's books and she loved them and she's quite disappointed in because they basically all just die in the last one, don't they? They go to heaven. No, they go to, they go to heaven, but I think they yeah. get they check in early. Right. I think they check in early to the spa <laughs> that is because I have worked out this as a non-believer in God. I, you know, if one not one God has come down, the Son of God's come, the daughter of God, the milkman of God, <laughs> these other guys come down. But if one God, one God, if there is one, just come down for yeah. one day for fucking 30 minutes <laughs> in front of CNN or BBC, not Fox News in America. We won't believe that shit. And don't turn up in a fucking, you know, swamp because they always turn up I saw him, I was in the swamp and he said he was, it's always in a fucking swamp. Why is God yeah. with all this power? Just turn up once and just say, or one dead person come through the clouds and go, it's me, Janine, I died on Tuesday. It's true. It's so, be good and you get stuff. Be bad, you go down there. It's a shitter. It's a real horrible. It's, it always smells of poo. And we would click in. Yeah. It would be boom. And then you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd have consultants saying, when's best time to pray? Well, praying in the morning, you know, he's got a lot of stuff on. Best to get up early and do some praying. But then about two o'clock, it's just busy, busy, busy. And it's, it's just like Twitter. You know, that's, no one's going to pick up on that stuff. And late at night, you may get him on the off chance. These are the way to get prayers through to God. There'll be prayer advisors, yeah. but they're not. Because it doesn't work. If prayer but really worked, everyone would fucking do it. If he came back. That's the answer to If one came down. <laughs> But if one came down, would that create... Do you think that would create world peace or more problems? Because no, the, the people who believed in the other gods would be furious about that the, they were yeah, wrong. Yeah, but he would, he would hopefully have a little bit of power. So yeah. when everyone else said, hey, that's not my religion, I attack you, and he just goes... <laughs> and they go, oh, maybe it is true. You've got to come down with one or two angels and a bit of shit going yeah. on, a bit of a light show. Because if you just come down and say, I am wearing a suit, I'm God, and we go, oh, fuck off. Just <laughs> fuck off, you know? Because if you created all this thing, why didn't you mention that the world is round in the Bible? Why didn't you just say that once? It's a round thing. It's a day and the thing and the light was invented and he made a round thing. <laughs> Anywhere in the Bible, you'd mention the round thing because it's weird. And, and the entire fucking universe. Oh, I've got a whole theory of the universe. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's go. Let's start with that. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Um, it takes uh, about four minutes to explain. Um... Okay, so we're here. We've flashed back 500 years, and here, Leicester Square, 500 years ago. I say, you go that way, I'll go this way, and if we go long enough direction, I'll just keep in the straight direction, you keep in the straight direction, and we'll come back and we'll meet here. Yeah. Now, 500 years ago, you would have said, if you were religious, you'd said, this is heresy, this is insanity, you know, your anti-religious is going to burn you at the stake. If you were a scientific person, you'd say, well, you can have your theory, but there's no logic to going in that way and coming back that way. Now we know that that was right then, it is right now, it has always been right, because we live in a football. Yeah. My theory is we take us up, maybe two or three people, or we're, we go up into outer space now, so somewhere in between the planets. We, uh, then you go off in whatever plane you want to go off in. I'll go off in whatever plane. I think if you go for a long enough time, you come back to the same place. Yeah. I think that the universe wraps around on itself. It's the only way to explain it. There cannot be a wall in, in the universe where they say behind there there's a squirrel with a gun yeah. saying, ooh, don't come in here. Because <laughs> we've not worked this out. 
I think if there was a big bang, it went up and, and it comes back and then there's a big crunch and there's a big bang and there's a big crunch and there's a big bang. It's like a heartbeat. Yeah. And Hubble said that the world is actually, uh, the universe is expanding, but maybe it's going around the back of the universe to come back and <laughs> smash in again. And maybe it's been going on like a heartbeat forever. It'll never stop. It never starts. No one's arranged it. There's no God. It's up to us. And that's why shitheads sometimes often get in control of things and good people die because it's that <laughs> random. Yeah. And we're just at the, they talk about the golden theory which is where any bit any closer to the sun we'd burn up any further away we'd freeze this is just our time these are our few billion years here so let's try and get it right good cough and, uh, <laughs> so that's my theory of the universe it's just it's as random as it looks like if you put random into the history of the world it totally makes sense yeah you put in someone with a plan if god if there's a god with a plan he's going <laughs> pin the tail of the donkey who's gonna run the world i don't care it doesn't make any sense but random does make sense and i think unfortunately that's it and after death i just think it's Goodbye. But that would be... It's better that that's the case, though. That's why I can't understand why anyone would want to live and never... You know, to, you want to live a bit longer than you're going to get all the time, I think. But you, yeah. to live and never die would be awful. That, that would be... That'd be rough. So to, you know, even to go to heaven and well, yeah, it's really brilliant. You go, I've been here for a hundred thousand years now. I'd quite like to have a sleep. I haven't got any eyelids. Uh, so, well, you could, you could get good sleep. So maybe you get good sleep. I mean, Highlander, he was doing all right, wasn't he? That's Christoph Lambert. Yeah, he was doing okay. And uh, it's just the, the head slicey bit that was. But then all the windows blow up, and that was quite funny. <laughs> but I think it's definitely, you know, I think if people would see the world as a random thing, whether it is or not, which I think it almost certainly is, that things are very random, then, and that exact thing, excepting we're in control of the world, I think people still have this idea that someone's going to come and save, you know, from in the environment or whatever, anything's right, yeah. going on. There won't be a nuclear war because someone will step in, Superman or Well, Doctor World Who War II was a classic example. Surely yeah. someone's got to come in and stop that fucker, because if there was a god, he should have flicked Hitler's head off. It was... <laughs> Mrs. Hitler had had two babies before that had died in infancy. Yeah. Surely you could make it three or <laughs> save the first two and take out the motherfucker. Yeah? Um, it's not complicated, God. And if you're not paying attention, why are we bothering? If you're not going to intervene at any point, what's the point of you? You know, so it's, this is my thing. But I believe the major religions all have this one main thing in it, which, in answer to your reaper question, um, <laughs> which is treat other people as you'd like to be treated yourself. And, if, yeah. and they're all, it's the golden rule, it's in all the major religions. And if we, all, if we do that one, it all works out. Uh, and then they say, well, what if you're a masochist? Okay, well, just, they can fuck <laughs> off. But just, just, you know, using common sense, apply that logic, and the whole world works. You, and if you want to pray, if you want to meditate, that's great. That can be very calming. Uh, and the churches sometimes are very groovy. You go to Liverpool, there's, they've got a, a cafe in the church, in the okay. cathedral, which I thought was very groovy. You have a coffee. <laughs> yeah, you can buy some books on, on stuff. But I just, and I think Jeezy Creasy was a real guy, and yeah. Muhammad was a real guy, and as, you know, and these were real wise people, the right wise men wise women in answer to your ripership <laughs> and so I think they've been down there through the, um, the eons of time and there will be wise men and wise women in the future that is the highest level we can attain by the way wisdom okay. if you can get to wisdom you have made it that is it that is the top level I'm not sure Jesus would like a coffee shop in his temple. He was quite angry about the moneylenders and stuff. But, but that, maybe the coffee, maybe no the coffee, coffee was what made him Why throw those be, tables over. No, I think he would. 
I think he'd be saying new ideas, new ideas, because that's what he was. He was a modernizer. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, he came and said, the Jewish religion is there. I want to make an adjustment because you've got into all the, you know, uh, Caiaphas and all the guys with the big hats had gone into big hat stuff and saying it's all about the form, which is like the lost... This is quite... This is a on drugs, isn't it? I'm just going, going, going. No, I'm not. I'm not on anything. I had a bit of wine. Um, That's all he needs. The Lost Interview by Steve Jobs, and he talks about that. Has anyone seen The Lost Interview? God, no. Wow. Okay, download The Lost Interview. It's Steve Jobs, 10 years after he was dropped by Apple, a year and a half before he came back into Apple. Have a look at it, because he talks about... It's, it's the creatives. The creatives. Well, you know the creatives. The creatives... The creatives come up with the stuff, and it's and creative people can be really tricky to, to, to work with because they're going, hang on, you've got to... It's two in the morning, that's when the ideas are going to come. But some people get into the form and procedure, and he said, IBM were brilliant. Once you've got the thing, you do this, this, this. But if the thing is shit, then it's no good, and yeah. it's about the ideas. And for modernizing, so I think Jesus, whose real name is Yeshua, Jesus is the Greek version of his name. Would he like to be known as the Greek... Would you like to be known as the Greek version of your name? <laughs> it might be all right. Well, you know... No, you'd prefer to be known <laughs> Someone told as me you. what that was the other day. It's not far off, Richard, I don't think. Really. But it's, <laughs> it's um, I think it's, um, uh, it, it, he was a modernizer and Muhammad was a modernizer. They modernizers and, and Jesus took the existing Jewish form and he said, we need to update this because it's got into the form of the thing as opposed to the, the spirit of the message. And he said, let's go back to the message. And it was all peace and love in the 60s. That was what he was doing, wasn't he? If he had a guitar, he would have been, Jesus, loves you. I love you. Because I'm Jesus. Except I'm not Jesus, I'm Yeshua. So he would have done that. He was that kind of guy, wasn't he? He's was kind of groovy and out there. And I've, I've seen the musical, it's, it seems very much. And that Muhammad was as well, except they started attacking him, so he attacked back. And so he's seen as a military guy. But he, he was actually a, a great fixer. He was a guy who listened. He updated the Jewish and the Christian religions and said, look, here's another way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. So, and then people came along and said, what he really meant was if you draw, the whole drawing a picture thing, I think he was saying, don't draw a picture of me because I don't want to be a god. I am the prophet Muhammad. I'm not the god Muhammad. Don't draw a picture of me. I've seen this happen with, with, with Jesus Yeshua guy. So he said that. <laughs> and then now he did not say, if you draw a picture of me, murder the person. That is not. That's the reinterpretation by people who wish to control things. And that's what always happens with religions. But if you cut off the mystical top bit of religion, you've just got philosophy. And then you've got ideas which you can take or leave. But it's the mystical top coat. That's the thing that blows us out of the water. So and why was why did why you get replaced as Reaper <laughs> Because he's almost impossible to do. I, <laughs> he, when you read him, you can sort of, you know the the story. I don't remember Reaper I don't remember Reaper Chief. He would he would say things. But he had a courtliness, uh, uh, sir, pretty sir. But I would take issue with what that to say. But we must go in. He was he was a he was. Uh, Mad Max crossed with a mouse crossed with someone who's got verbal diarrhea because he, he speaks in a way that no human can speak. So courtly, so overly nice and, and decent in his words. But then he goes in with what must be a needle and murders people left, right, right and centre. Yeah. So it, it just, it, it's, it's a fun idea on paper, but when you get to the reality of it, it's a bit bonkers yeah. and a bit difficult to land. So I think there was an initial reproduce. I was the second reproduce, then I was the third reproduce. So we went through Reaper Cheeps. Um, okay, you know. We'll get you all back together or at some point. I'll go. No, I'll I get, think get the three of you to Reaper Cheap it out together. But I, so, 
But I did like the Narnia books. I, yeah. And I don't read. That's interesting. I don't read read because of dyslexia. I don't yeah. really read novels. But um, I did like them, and uh, I still do. And I don't think they're about religion, even though they are. Well, they are. But yeah. <laughs> well, the versions I the versions I believed in weren't. No. They're about some bloke. And these kids who went through a wall. And yeah, I mean, it's exciting. This and exciting the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe is a very... It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. And then the one before, the magic, magic Ian's nephew. Yeah. I've got... <laughs> well, you see, because I'm dyslexic, I wrote out the story of the magic... And I wrote it on the thing, and I, you know, the magic... And I ran out of space, and I put a dash, Ian... And it reads, the magic Ian's nephew, and I've got... I would definitely read that. Absolutely. <laughs> So let's move on. There's a lot to talk to you about. I'm going to have to get you back right. again. I can tell that already. Uh, so, you've got a book called Cock. Uh, I've got a book called Talking Cock. You can have that. Uh, uh, you'll fine, find all I'm about fine. it. <laughs> you'll find out all about cocks. Uh, and uh, well, I'm, I'm sort. Of, I was looking at your website. I'm kind of. I think more possibly than any other comedian. There's lots of things about you. You're a very driven person, but also I think maybe your childhood is. Like a big part of that, and not—I mean, I know your mother died when you were very young, but you I think would that think that, that. But no, because me and my brother are very different. We're fifty percent the same, fifty yeah. percent different. So I would say, um, no, I think it's an inbuilt thing, and my dad's got a similar thing. But I've got this driven like a, like a, like a mouse with a sword, <laughs> just overly courtly. Um, it, I had it before, and I just couldn't get anything going. Um, there's, a, there's a, in this documentary, believe that, that, that yeah. my ex she did of me, um, and it, it there's this thing that I'd forgotten about, which I did. A, I worked out because I was in a boarding school for 12 years yeah. after Mum died, and I worked out if I put my dressing gown over the back of what were well, hospital ward type beds, you know, with these big um, back bits, yeah. and if you put my dressing gown over that, and, and I, I wrapped it up, and I felt I could pull this the the, the drawstring of the of the dressing gown, and it went up like a curtain. Right. On the basis of that, I decided to do a show with teddy bears, <laughs> <laughs> and I issued tickets and. Uh, and I got the matron, there was a matron in this, so the matron was coming and the headmaster comes and, uh, and the headmaster was talked about, you know, in the interview about this. He, he remembered it because it was such a weird thing. <laughs> and, I, and it was very much like my early shows. I had a stage, I had a production, I had tickets, I had no show. <laughs> and, and so there were just teddy bears going, I'm going to go over here, I'm going to go over there. Hey, hey, you've stolen my soup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, there was no content to it, which was my early... This is why I didn't get anywhere in my early career, because I would do form over content. Yeah. Uh, just like what Steve Jobs saying in the Lost interview. Download, have a look at it. It's, very, it's, cheap to, it's, it's, it's intriguing. But then I realised it's the stuff. Work on the stuff. And if the stuff is good enough, if you build it, they will come. You know, if you make yeah. it good enough, they will come. Which isn't a perfect science, but it's, it's, it's a better way of, of doing it. So that's what I got to at about 25. I dumped my previous technique. Yeah. So and you started I, in street theatre. No, I started, uh, um, I went to Sh Sh uh, Sheffield, well, I, st I feel I started at seven. I saw a boy, <laughs> a boy with his cart by Christopher Fry in January of 1970, when you were minus... No, I was, I was three. You were three, when you were three. I did it specifically because you were three. And <laughs> this is in Eastbourne. And I saw this thing. Some kid was on there and he was pulling focus and he was doing good stuff. And I think yeah. it was dramatic and comedic. And he was. And I just thought, this is fantastic. Maybe it was, I think it was a swap for mum dying and suddenly the audience would give you all this, this 
applause and affection. So I thought, I'll, I will have this. Yeah. And no, no. <laughs> Fate said, no, you won't, because you're shit. Or either I was shit or they thought I was shit. And I, yeah. I think I was probably shit. <laughs> but you didn't get in the plays at school. Couldn't get in the plays, couldn't get on that. But I was really pushing. I was really doing weird things to get into stuff like uh, Joseph... They did a, a version of Joseph in his Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I thought, this sounds great, the music sounds great. Uh, only the choir can do it. I'm not in the choir. Um, I'm just going to stand next to them. So I stood next to them. There were rehearsals, and I was just there <laughs> with a kind of a glassy-eyed look, and then they'd say, we've got to move the table. Uh, we've got to put this over there. And, and I, I managed to inveigle my way into it, and I got one solo line as well. So this is... Oh, I was always sort of coming from the outside and pushing in, not invited to, to come play, but thinking, I have to be in this. I broke into Pinewood Studios you know, when I was 15, and I was, I was just trying to get into things. Yeah. I was always this relentless, pushy bastard, but with nothing working. Every, ah, I failed again, ah, and that failure, a whole bunch of failure up front. Went to Sheffield University, did accounting and financial management, realized that wouldn't be, if I got that degree, that would be beaten over my head, you know, my stepmother was keen to, you've got to get a proper job. Yeah. And I just thought, don't get the degree and then I won't be able to get the proper job. And I have to, I have to flame throw my bridges. So I flame throwed my bridges, flame yeah. through my bridges. And um, <laughs> so there was no way back. I had to go forward and I did three, you know, Edinburgh in 81, Edinburgh in 82, 83, all sketch shows. Right. And then 84, took a year off and I came out. 85, street performing, 86, street performing in Edinburgh. 87, street performing in Edinburgh, 88, street performing in Edinburgh, 89, started doing stand-up, 90, 91, 92, and 93, they yeah. were all stand-up. So uh, after those 12, <laughs> I said, I'm never playing again. <laughs> but it was, it was it. it's just this relentless thing. And once it started working, about 1991, then... I, I mean, just... it's so weird, because I think in my mind, I, so I was starting about 89, and you were obviously quite established by then, you were doing... Well, I no. played your club. Well, you were sort of... Yeah, I played your club with Raging Bull. Raging Bull, yeah. Which was uh, in the Raymond Review Bar, wasn't it? Or somewhere like that. It was, uh, that was a bit later. Yes, that was that was 90. That yeah. was 90, because 88 I started. I started March of 88. Right, yes, yeah, that was a bit before me. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, all uh, I remember is that the dressing room had strippers in it. That's, there were actual strippers. There were strippers there. changing, going into the other venue, and I'm pretty sure this oh, right. was. You went, I think you went to the strippers <laughs> because they shared a bar. It was yeah. a very interesting thing. It was Raymond's Review Bar, and then there was the uh, the um, Boulevard Theatre. Yeah. We were in the Boulevard Theatre, right, yeah. but they shared the bar. That's it. But if you got in, and there were strippers taking their clothes <laughs> off. You were just sitting there, just going. But, but we did have we did have we did have the audience from the stripper club come into our ones, and they had the same numbers but different coloured tickets. <laughs> so they're saying, look, it's B4. It is B4. Is it no? But you are red ticket it's a green ticket and so we had that interesting problem and the the comic strip had been there before so that's right. that's why i chose it but i just lost a lot of money doing that but it, it did get me the ability to stand on stage in the center of london and have the confidence to go so chickens What's going on there? Yeah. And, uh... But very quickly, because you know, I, I, my memory is straight, straight away. Just every, all, nearly all the stand-ups on the circuit were doing you. You know what I mean? It became very... That, that way of speaking became the kind of way a lot of stand-ups That is operated. an interesting thing. This was said to me, because before it was always, you know, someone's... That joke is yours, that joke is yours. And then, for me, people very nicely came up to me and said, someone's doing your style. And I think... I don't think it necessarily was my style. I think it was just, if you do go... Uh, how soup is uh, if you tr if you're trying to improvise in that desperate kind of way soup wh wh why soup <laughs> and you know if we freeze it it's, you can kill people with soup can't you and, and 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 if you just play around the soup idea 
anyone who was doing that would probably sound like that. I just maybe I did it first or, or before, yeah. and, uh, you know, people. So when they did it, they were just doing their own version of it. Yeah. There was there was one person I was told to go and see. And they said, they're doing what you're doing. And I went and looked and I thought, I quite like what they're doing because it's very much like what I do. <laughs> so I didn't really have a problem with it. David Bowie did a bit of what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, I was touring. And they said, David Bowie's doing that bit where you go, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> said, David's doing that. And I went, uh, okay, I'm cool. If David wants to do that, that's cool. I think yeah. that's quite a... And then I went and saw David Bowie's show and he says, you know, I'm doing that bit where I go, I'm doing that. So... That was kind of bonkers, having played the Guilty P. Yes. Um, do you remember the Guilty P? Yeah. Well, there was a venue called the Guilty P, and why it was called the Guilty... How a P can be guilty. <laughs> the innocent P and the Guilty P. Last time I played that, I stormed it, and then it was Kate, I think, that ran it. Right, it, yeah, I think it, so. It was okay. And I phoned up Kate, and I think she took a bit of time to get back to me, so it got embarrassing, so she could never get... And I said, Kate, surely I can... I fucking ripped the roof off last time. And it just got, like, you know, six months. Ooh, I think she got into... I can't really call him back because why haven't I <laughs> and so I just never got back to the guilty right. piece yeah. which if you if it, on a good night totally sold out you'd make 20 quid or <laughs> 15 quid but that was the beginning of us it was yeah. it was an electric this area was electric I think it was it was so many multiple gigs a night yeah. people just going from nothing cash in the hands stuffing it down your shoes and your socks <laughs> and and wherever it was it was fun yeah. It was really fun, and everyone was just going for it. But then it took off very quickly, I suppose. After that, for me, yeah, for you, like um, it just you know, I, well, I, you did, were, I was, I was in Hollywood. I was military. I'm kind of military with the way I do it because I wanted yeah. to be special forces. Um, this was my serious plan. I was going to do paras uh, or marines, and then go special forces. Yeah. Um, so I was doing off the <laughs> I haven't shown you the photo. Have I? No. No. No, so I was reading about this, but I'm just trying to imagine how you would have got on in Paris. But, uh, well, <laughs> the point is, no, well, I would have been. Well, actually, I don't know if I would have been. No. Actually, I don't know what, if I would have been. But if I'd gone and seen action, then there would have been a line would have been crossed. But yeah. but I'm, I feel like what I've done is civilian version of special forces because yeah. when I came out 30 years ago. Um, Wearing uh, some heels and a bit of lipstick, it, it, that was tricky. That was not cool. No, no one thought it groovy. In '85, no in '90, no in '95, no in 2000, no in 2005. <laughs> now it's almost going. Hey, yeah, there's a thing going on. Um, I'm doing this bit of material when I'm playing in America, uh, which because they had Caitlyn Jenner yeah. came out, you know, very famous. Is everyone picked up on this, the Caitlyn Jenner story? And there was also um, Laverne Cox from Orange Is the New Black. Uh, a black woman who was born a boy but self-identified as a girl and, uh, and she's changed her sex and she's a, a strong activist on trans, on trans issues. And, um, and so I, I, I'm doing, when I do gigs there, I say, you know America's at the forefront of transgender politics and you didn't choose this? And I, I have some guy going, and I have some sort of wife saying, "Honey, you know we're at the America's at the forefront of transgender politics." I'm just having my breakfast here. What the what the fuck's going on? No, but we are. We're just totally. About, I didn't do anything. I'm just sitting here. I'm having grits and fish and helicopters and whatever we eat for breakfast. And men or women and fish and chickens. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But we are at the. I don't give a shit. Can everyone just put it back in the box? Because it is, America suddenly jumped ahead and they didn't plan it. They just did it. Um, <laughs> it just happened. And Vanity Fair helped. And yeah, well, it's amazing how much things have changed. I and mean, it does feel that that whole aspect just feels like, a, now feels like a normal thing. That yeah, well, it's boring. If LGBT, if we can yeah. get to boring, if someone says, I'm gay, you go, 
Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Oh, I, I make soup. Ah, soup. Good soup. Good soup, bad soup. Ah, it's the soup thing. Soup. soup could be the new um, soup. I mean, that's, that's... It's an amazingly positive thing. Because like, it, it's, it's, it's weird that it was comparatively recently how... how anti, you know, even sexuality, but, but transvestitism. Yeah, everything. I still had it at the pub just next door. Well, I came <laughs> home and... But this guy... I live right near a pub and and the guy's out in the street drinking and as I came in, some guy, hey, Eddie, and I'd go, what? The fuck? And the guy, no, he's... Obviously, he said to him, no, he's transgender. He's transgender! <laughs> but you expect to, he's a fucking... What? You, know, you expect to have some big negative epithet coming out of his mouth. He said, he's fucking transgender! What the fuck do I do with that? <laughs> and then, and, and I was just, I was knackered. I just wanted to go into the house and relax. And, and the, the other bloke would say, hey, all right, hey, come have a drink. And so I thought, uh, no, I'm going to go and have a drink now. There's someone screaming at me, and the other guy's backing me up. I'm going to have a drink. So I just said, I'll just let me dump, dump this stuff in. I came straight out, and the guys just scarpered. They ran to the back of the pub, and they hid in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I could see their worldview going, <laughs> gears changing. But what are we going to do? <laughs> and the other guy just bought me a drink. So, um, yeah, it, it, has, it has changed a lot, but also um, it takes about 30 years to get chilled out about it. Yeah. Uh, from my point of view, because right. it just used to be tricky. It used to be tricky. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't give a shit anymore. But I just toured France, and yeah. um, they are, you know, there's a lot of groovy stuff in France, and people were, there's not much surreal humour, which is interesting, right. which we think could, because I was touring with a kid called Yassine Belus, who's already played in English, and uh, he thinks that it could be there's less surreal humour in France uh, because of the Second World War, and there's less surreal humour in Germany as well, and it right. could be Second World War, and in Germany they said, what the fuck do we do? You can't talk about chickens with guns, that's going to, <laughs> let's be political, or let's be slapstick or something, but yeah. you can't do that weird shit. And maybe after Vichy France, you know, and Pétain, they said, no, we're not going to do it. They just, they haven't done it. I'm not sure. I haven't checked all the other countries. I haven't checked Spain. And <laughs> I'll report back on that. Okay. But, that's... But, but this decision to go to France yeah. and not really being able to speak French when you started really particularly well and then do your set in French? I was okay. If I got an A at O level. Okay. okay? A at GCSE. Yeah. You know, I got a B at O level and I, can, I can't say anything yeah. in French. No, no, interesting. <laughs> I know people who have degrees in it who, who will not speak it because everything's about the form and they can write it pretty good you know yeah. and they get all the tenses and stuff but um, they they it's the confidence of talking about it I've also met one guy who can't write it but he's very confident and very fluent yeah and that's that's what we get when we're kids yeah because we, we we learn the speaky version first and then they say that cat has got a C in it not a K no C <laughs> why C it's just, <laughs> that's English kid um, but for but, you to make this decision to go to, is it because it's an untapped market who don't know who you it, as it's well it's a new thing my ego I'd like to be big and well known in, in France yeah. that's one thing so egos but is it also it. starting they don't know who you are so you get to find out if you're because it's like when you're successful yeah, it's, the it's hard of, to know if you're funny anymore because the audience will laugh at most things there is, there is that but I have Isn't found that? the critics the critics help <laughs> I have found the critics help to you know, say yeah. he was shared and he think he's just doing the old stuff um, and I do find um, to an extent that's true but to an yeah. extent it's, it's not true you know to, if you are already just checking out garbage then your audience Damn. will diminish and, and you know it, it does disappear but the touring of France was just like the early days in the UK it was um, 
you know, 100 seaters, 200 seaters. Bonsoir, bonsoir Lyon, bonsoir Lille, uh, Toulouse, qu'est-ce qui se passe? And, uh, and it was fucking groovy, and I loved it. And, then, and I, I said, also, can we have an Indian summer, please? I just said to the weather fates, because I don't believe in gods, but, you know, I just said, I would like to insist upon this. And I only finished about a week ago, but it was beautiful weather, and... Uh, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. So all of but this, you know, it's this, you take on these massive challenges. So I was just watching your um, program about the, mar- the marathons where you did, yep. f- how many did you do? 43 marathons in 51 days. Yeah. Now I've run a marathon and I could not have run another marathon the next day. You could have if your family was on the line. If, well, it, was, if it was about your family, yeah? Well, you know, mate, you if got I kids, have... So, yeah, you I've got, got a kids. baby, yeah, yeah. Imagine that there was a threat to them and they said, you've got to do this because then you could raise money and there's an illness and you can yeah. pay for the thing and you could get that machine that will... You'd fucking run it, wouldn't you? Well, I would, but... You'd run you know, ten. I, rec- I might run two. No, you'd run and ten. And then say, that's, <laughs> then that's say, pretty impressive. Goodbye, Mike. I'd say, that's enough. Sponsor me for that. I've done two fucking marathons in two days. I am God. So to... <laughs> You were not a runner, well, though. I, you no, were, I, had, I run a lot, and so, you know, I was running a lot. <laughs> well, I loved football when I was a kid, right. so I was, I was a fast twitch runner, which is, the, you know, the stop, start, stop, stop, which yeah. is, the, is the healthiest way of doing it. And the long-distance running doesn't actually make you that fit, but I did a holistic version of it, where there was an idea that you run fast, and then you have a lot of time to relax over to the next thing. Yeah. And I thought, run, run whatever's fucking speed. Talk to duck, ducks and cats and dogs. I used to stop and talk to sheep and, and, and cows would say I'm running this for sport relief <laughs> and they'd all they'd be very cow like at me and I'd go if you've got any stuff you can give us I don't know hay or I you know it was just it was just fun I just like no one was filming it I was just saying this to, and I just thought this is fun and I'd stop and look at the ducks and I'd take it in I ran through past the battle of Naseby nice. and as you'll know you know you're the kind of person who would know about that you know the civil war yeah. the civil war and it's a very key battle and I just thought my god this road must have been a track road back in the day they wouldn't have you know the roads would have been the tracks would have been the same ones so the cavalry prince Rupert could have been coming along here Cromwell bring the cannon up you know, this whole thing, and that was right back here. It was the bloodiest time in, 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 on battles on, uh, yeah. on British soil. And so I, I would take all that stuff in. That's how I fed it all. Instead of trying to do VO2 max and how much, how quickly, I just ran the fucking thing it's and I didn't care. Cra- it's just absolutely, I mean, it's cra- I can, I, watching, I think it's beautiful because you leave London and then you're looking at all the milestones out of London mm, and, yeah. you know, and you're actually, I think that progression, because you never do that, you never walk out of London or run out of London yeah. into the countryside. And so to actually take that time, and it's, you're stopping to eat a calipo. Yeah, calipo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or calipo. Uh, and Which I said was a cross between calipers and hippos. Uh, it's made out of <laughs> But, and your trainers are furiously saying, he's got to focus, he's got to focus, and you're just wandering up and chatting. I went to people. talk to the ducks, and then yes. the, duck, the guy in charge of ducks said, you can't, this is a royal park, you can't talk to the ducks. Virginia Water. I said, we're just, it's for charity, we're just looking at the ducks. He said, okay, you can look at the ducks. So we looked at the ducks. But it's, uh, okay, so first one was okay. Now the second one, you just, if, if you do two in two days, yeah. you suddenly go, God, I, d- I could stop now, and I could dine out. And they talk about this thing of dining out. I don't know yeah. how you do this dining out. <laughs> Will you take me out? I've done two marathons in two days. I'd like not to pay, and I'd like to dine out, please. Will you do this? Thank you. What's your name? Stephen. Hello, Stephen. I'm going to dine out. I don't know how this works, but anyway, I did think after two in two days, I could say, yeah, I did two in two fucking days, and... 
that's it. That, you, that's just weird. That's out there. And then I, then I was uh, straight. I couldn't ever punch the sky because I got more and more tired. So <laughs> the idea of punching the sky in the end, actually, quite, at the beginning ones, I was just running across and going, "That's it. That's that's six, twenty-six point two miles." <laughs> I got well there. Yeah, that's there. <laughs> it was in Swansea. When I got to Swansea, I just thought. I need some bells and whistles. I need a bloody line. I need some party poppers going off. Yeah. And so after that, we set up artificial lines and party poppers. I needed a finish line. Yeah, yeah. I needed to have that because I was doing it on a wing and a prayer. So after 10, but between 3 and 10, it got really tricky. The feet were shredding. Um, <laughs> I just would have expected to be dead by the fourth one. Well, this was the thing. This is what we were trying to work out. And then I went to, to South Africa to, to redo that in yeah. 27, 27 days. And I got rhabdomyolysis after four because uh, I was on a cholesterol drug and it, and it, uh, it was not happy with my body. And, yeah. and, uh, and so the, the guy said, you just got to stop. You got to get out of the system. You got to stop for two months. I thought, oh, fuck, I've set this whole thing up. So that was a pain in the ass. So I'm going to go back and do that again. Yeah. But um, but it's kind of beautiful. After ten, it gets easier okay. because you, this <laughs> yeah, is the trick. After ten, it, it gets easier because um, you you start the body, the me, the brain starts going. Okay, where are we going today? As opposed to what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> where are we going today? And you go, well, let's go. We're going to go over here. And uh, and when I would meet kids, I met some kids. At time, I said, what are you what are you doing? Because the camera was the big thing. Not an idiot running, but a camera. If a camera turned, hey camera, and then people would turn up and they say, what's the camera? I'm running around the country. All oh, right, can we come? And then these kids just came running with me. And you know, they were just hanging out. It was in the summer, so probably their holidays. And they were just they just came. They ran for me for about five miles. These big kids. and I said, let's sprint the last bit. So they really sprinted, and I was, you could see me miles behind them. They didn't do any of this, let the old fucker catch him. Let's let him win. But you no, did they, a lot of it, like, on your, I mean, apart from the crew, you are, you're running alone. I thought you'd be running with other people all the way. No, the, well, I, if people wanted to come, I just thought, how can you ask people to come, you know? Yeah. It's, but also, I, I asked the crew if they could stay back 10 miles or so. So, like, I remember coming back through uh, Northumbria, uh, through the forest up there, and I stopped, and there was a lake, and there was forest, and silence, and occasionally just a single car go by. I thought, this is really beautiful, because normally I'd be in a panic station. I have no car. I'm miles from anywhere. This is the time to panic. But I know I just keep going, and I'll, I'll be able to go over there. And <laughs> it, 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 I became at one with the road. There's a Native American thing about being at one with the land. Yeah. They were born on the land. They didn't own the land. Babies fighting death building nomadic, following the buffalo, and the, 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 everything went back to the land, which I think they, they laid their bodies out, and then it went back into the land. It was a big circular yeah. religion. And I, and I sort of became one with the road, the street. It became a place. I would pee everywhere, you know, quite... <laughs> you know, if you've ever had a pee, if you've got out of a car and have a pee, you, you tend to... Okay, pee, pee now. But I just got, I'm going to have a pee here. And I would pee, and it was a bit like, I don't know, foxes marking their territory or something. I was marking some big fucking territory. And, uh, and it ju I just felt this is a road that is mine in the sense that it's all of ours. It's, it's, it's our road, and we can run along any road we want to. It got really beautiful, and... Uh, and nothing was scary. At one point, I saw the 26 miles that I ran. Because in Northern Ireland, I went to Bangor, where I used to live, which is just to the east of Belfast. I ran to Newtonard's Hospital, where 
I'd been in the hospital when I was a kid and I had a f sort of, I remember f fond remembrances of the sister who was there and she made me eat soup but I wouldn't eat soup soup again. And, uh, <laughs> and I worked out that if you, she said, you've got to eat a bit of it. You've got to eat a bit of it. All right, I'll eat a bit of it. So I picked up the soup and then I poured it back in the thing and I, picked, and I realized it made waves. And if you made enough waves, it looked like you'd eaten some soup because you, you could create a tidal mark around the edge of the soup. And I said, look, and she said, yeah, okay, that's enough. And I hadn't eaten any soup. Um, <laughs> So I, when we got there, we said, can we come in? Because I used to be in here and we're filming for Sport Relief. And we said, no, you can't come in. And no, but no, it'd be great if we could just come in. Just quit. No, you're, there's, right, there's no way you're coming in here. <laughs> this is a hospital here and there's no way. But this is for charity. We're going to raise money. We're going to help a lot of people who are dying of diseases. No. <laughs> so there was still this wonderful world of no that she had she had got it could just be anyway so anyway I ran on and I ran through Belfast and then there's a hill on the west side of Belfast it goes up and up and up and up and up and when I got to the top of that I looked back and I could see this little uh, Victorian folly that's just above Newton Arts yeah. which was about um, 20, 20 miles away 24 miles away or something and I looked at it and I thought that is an insane distance. <laughs> and that was really, you never get to see. And, no. You know, if you've read it, you never get to see it. You just look back and you can see the last 100 metres and that's yeah. it. But that was fascinating. It's, it's extraordinary. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just sort of so extraordinary that you, you did it. What? what? Well, it's, it's fun. It's adventure stuff. <laughs> it's, but it's more well, than that. I mean, it. I can see all that. I, love, I mean, I love, I, can, I would love to do it in a lot of ways. Yeah. But not actually do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, there's. I, lo I love the idea. You could play of, a character in a film. Who did <laughs> I would it? Definitely do that. Yeah. Because it'd be nice to be driven somewhere and go. <laughs> now you're doing the last. Oh, bit. it's nice around here. Get in the car. Uh, but to actually go around the whole country doing it, it's just. It's just. I mean, it's close to being insane. Is but but it's also a beautiful. It's, it's the, kind it's of the good part of insane. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Know, well, it's, it's, it's bonk. I think bonkers. Good bonkers. There's yeah. bonkers and good bonkers. Um, there's bad bonkers. Bad bonkers. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure what bad bonkers is because <laughs> Hitler is beyond bad bonkers. <laughs> Did like, people sponsor you per mile though and then you went and said, here, <laughs> you owe me 1,500 pounds. No, actually, no, what we did was because they, they told us, if you're doing this thing, you've got to do, you've got to do a big upfront. We're doing this thing. Please give, you just got to say, give money. Give, you just got to pummel people into giving money. This is the, the technique. And I thought, I can't do that up front because the idea I'm going to run around the country, I don't know how to do it. I don't know if I can do it. Um, I'll just tweet. So I just tweeted, I'm running around the, I'm going for, I'm going for a run, I think I said. <laughs> I, I might be got a long time. Anyway, something like that. So it set off from, from Trafalgar Square. And I just thought, I probably got next to no money in until we got to, I thought when I got to Scotland, they would believe it because they thought, well, if he can run up the top of, of the map, then he can probably come back down. It's, it's downhill. On, if you look at the map, it looks like it's downhill. So I thought, they won't believe it until I get to Scotland. Yeah. And, they, they, and then after Scotland, it really became, my God, this is going to work. Because if you could get up there, you could if you can do 23, you could probably do another, whatever it is, uh, yeah. 21. Amazing. So um, there's a lot of things to talk to you about. Um, I uh, will ask. Well, you, what, there's your political side of you, which is very mm -hmm. interesting as well. And so you're planning to possibly stand for London mayor. In well, I think it'll be more like um, a member of parliament. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Sadiq Khan's going for mayor of London. And he gets in, and then he will logically go for more than one term. Yeah. Uh, so there's a big fight there. But yeah, I'll go for member of parliament. And it, really, I don't mind where I'm going in because I want to know how the whole thing works it's very you can see from outside you can study it but until you're really inside it and you see everything going on I'm a radical moderate I'm you know um, 
and um, I'm going to take all the energy that I put into whatever I've done so far and put it into that. I do like people. I, I, I'm doing well for myself. I want everyone to do well. Um, I do like business. I do like entrepreneurship. I do like a safety net. Uh, and, and I don't see... One thing I do link up with Jeremy Corbyn on is um, why, if there was a capitalist financial crisis caused by the subprime market, we all know this. You don't, I, mean, I mean, the Tories have spun it many different ways. Or well, one way, they just blamed it on Labour Party. But we know it's a capitalist financial crisis caused by the subprime market. They sold these... Um, um, mortgages to people they knew couldn't pay them back they took their fees up front so they were all fine and happy then the the, the, the uh, debts blew up and they were toxic debts and they packaged them with gold gilt edged debts so that it looked like it was all rosy then it was all this diseased debt was inside the, the financial system it all blew up and then they would have a financial crisis yeah uh, why should the the people on the lowest incomes be paying for that and the rich don't blink an eyelid they just carry on yeah so trying to yeah this is true But I'm very positive on the European Union, and, yeah. and I'm going to fight like crazy. I, I, the stakes, I feel, is if we can't make it work in Europe, then the world is not going to make it. We've got to the end of this century, probably, to get an entire world where everyone has a fair chance. Despair is the fuel of terrorism, and hope is the fuel of civilization. And if we don't get it so the entire world, 7 billion people, all have a fair chance, have the chance of democracy, of a stable government, if we don't get to that, someone's got to invent something so small, the terroristic things. They're putting bombs into liquids into their bodies. You know, this is yeah. despair will drive that. And, and the people who are running it, I think they have a twisted logic. They are, they are twisting um, um, Islam and uh, the Islamic faith, which I think Muhammad was a decent, honorable person, had some wonderful, positive ideas, and they have twisted that into something else. It's not about um, Islam. And, uh, and but in doing that, they will just do horrendous things, and there's no limit to it. I mean, if Al-Qaeda is saying that IS are, are out of their minds, then <laughs> what the hell is going on? So we have to be, if we're not working towards an entire world that's working um, by the end of this century, or maybe even halfway through this century, because things are moving so fast, we're not going to make it. And so if Europe can't make it work, if we're the, the UKIP are for running and hiding, I'm not for running and hiding. I don't think Britain is for running and hiding. If we want to change it, we've got to be inside Europe to change it. And so I'm going to fight like crazy for that. And that's what I've been trying to do as I'm touring in French, touring in German, just started in Spanish, then I'm going to do Russian, then I'm going to do Arabic. There is a way of doing things. You have to look at the world as an adventure. You have to look at Europe as an adventure. You have to go for it. And I am, on pure business terms, I am trying to increase. I think I, I would have broken even. I sold over 5,000 tickets on, in, in France in 15 cities. We did 24 shows, double shows in quite a lot of places to send out a message that an English guy and transgender as well could turn up and do a gig in France. We did two in Lille, two in Lyon, two in Aix-en-Provence, two in Marseille, two in Toulouse, two in Montpellier, and two in uh, Nantes. And, uh, and played a 1,400-seater in, in Paris. And this is just not on the map. And, but it's there if you just have the imagination. And if we go for it, if we head in that direction, it's a positive signal. And the French are now doing it in English. The Germans are doing it in English. Stand-up comedy. The yeah. Russians, you'll know this, out there. I was, on, I was on the Comedy Awards, and I made a joke about the Scandinavians are going to come and do comedy. And I think uh, um, 
Jonathan Ross, he made a joke about what I'd said, and he did it just in, in fun, but it was like, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. And now you know it's happening, yeah. and these are funny guys, aren't they? Yeah. There's, some re- there's great talent out there. Comedy is universal. I've played in Moscow. I've played 28 countries now with this show. I've played in Moscow, St. Petersburg. The kids dig it. They really get it. And, and it's going to become waves and waves, and that's going to be great. And they all want to do it in English because they can tour the world. This kid, Yassine Belus, who's one of the five surreal stand-ups in France, he's played Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Berlin, all in English. Yeah. Uh, Cape Town, he's played Edinburgh. And that is beautiful. 200 years since the Battle of Waterloo. The English are performing in French, the French are performing in English. That's got to be positive. It's good, but do you think we... It's good. Let's, let's acknowledge that. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it seems to me we need so much parliamentary reform in Britain before we get anywhere near that, though. Do you not think... Do you, do you not think that... It seems to be going backwards with the, the, the way that... The Conservatives are now in charge with, you know, what, not even a third of the votes and changing the boundaries. And, and so how, how do we change that? How do we change I don't know. I don't, have, I don't have magical answers. I, no one has magical answers. And, it, and I think politics is as complicated as it looks. Um, it's really tricky to do. Um, if Jeremy Corbyn can make things change, if he can get the centre of the country to vote for him, then fine, we, let, let's go and see what that happens. It's democracy in action, you know. I'm, I'm more of a radical centrist, and, and he's more to the left, but... but Will great. that affect your ambitions? That no, because I'm, I'm interested in people. I, I really am bored by the bloody lines. How much time do we spend attacking each other on the bloody lines? I just want everyone to have as decent a time as we can have. I mean, everyone, the whole bloody world. But it's really tricky to do because... People say, well, we're here, and those people, who are they? And who are these refugees in Syria? And, well, well, you know, maybe we caused that way back when we started putting the lines out, when we were doing the imperialistic stuff. It's so complicated. It really is as complicated as it looks. And to try and get a through line, but people elect people because they want a through line, a direction. I've tried in my own life to have a certain direction. I've been positive on people. I'm positive. I'm doing gigs in different languages. So that, And saying to them, I'm, I'm sort of grabbing people and encouraging them, go do it. Do it in other languages. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and some people are going, okay, or some people are doing it anyway. And it, it, that's, that's got to be a positive thing. I just, I, I know, I, it, it, you, you can't say one magical thing and say, here's a paragraph and that will answer everything in, in politics. But I know that I, I'm quite good at working through things. I try to find the center of an argument the center of what's working, what isn't working, and I try and go for that. I'll fuck up, I'll make mistakes, <laughs> but I have energy, I do like people, I like all people except the extremists, they can all fuck off, <laughs> and uh, be they religious or political, and uh, yeah, and you keep for running and hiding, and I'm not for that, I'm for no. getting stuck in, and that's the only way we're gonna go forward, is by l- learning to live, live together and work together. That's the only way the future of the world, we have a chance in the world. So that's what I'm going to try and do. If you can make the Imagine. sense of humour of politicians a bit better, that'll be good as well. <laughs> it, well it won't be hard to be the funniest person in the House of Commons, but you definitely will. Well, the, the, the <laughs> trick, if you're coming from comedy, the trick is not to do... You could put comedy at the end of the line. You have to put forward your point of view, mm-hmm. and then you have to do comedy at the end of the paragraph and say, <laughs> and if you disagree with me, then you're a smelly person. And then it'll be like, wow, I'm um, uh, well, there's a lot to talk about and not much time. I've, I've been asked to ask this question by John Gleaves. We'll get, do this quickly. He paid for this last series and got bumped out. Uh, not, not for this particular question. Uh, how did Ardman approach you to provide the voices of the East Island head aliens and melting blob man in Rex the Runt? Um, 
to change tackle. How did they approach me? I think they phoned up and asked, and I yeah. said yes. That's but good. I, but I, yes, I, I think it was that complicated. But I do love it. I do yeah, want I to do versions of that, because that's what, how I'd like to use my comedy, because I've tried to, in doing roles like in, in Hannibal and... Um, and um, other dramatic roles I've done, um, just done Whiskey Galore, which is really, I suppose, a comedy, but I still play, play the, I love doing dramatic roles, uh, but I'd love to do my comedy in, in animation. Yeah, they're amazing, Ardman, they're a Bristol uh, yeah. firm, and I'm good friends with one of them, uh, there's someone from Ardman in the audience, actually. Uh, so there we and go. Another person from Bristol who's very famous, of course, was uh, Cary Grant. Yes, he was. He used to sit in his Rolls Royce eating fish and chips with his mum, who was put in a, in a, in a mental institution by her <laughs> father, yeah. It was called Archie Leach. Yeah, Archie Leach. There was, we go. That was the name of John Cleese's character in Fish Called Okay. With that sad, <laughs> with that sad, we can We're talking tag to, team Talking to films, let's try and talk quickly about some films. Uh, I haven't seen this film, but you played uh, Charlie Chaplin in the yes. Cats Meow, which looks really fascinating. Ca- anyone see Cats Meow? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful film. Peter Bogdanovich film. Yeah. Um, it's... Peter said he's going to do, he does this in his films. He puts on a soundtrack of the uh, of the era of the of the time, but he puts no emotion into it. So he doesn't punch up the emotion or pull back, which is what most soundtracks do. Yeah. And he just it's like a radio being on in the background, and it's wonderfully centering. And uh, and Joanna Lumley's in it, and a, and a number of, of people. It was um, it was just interesting because I find Joanna Lumley very interesting because I feel I'm I'm sort of hot, quite like her, then quite totally different. We different. <laughs> we we st- we would argue on. Uh, God and the monarchy. Those are the two right. things that we di- we disagreed on. But she grew up, you know, there was an India beginning for her and, yeah, and right, overseas yeah. and I had the Yemen beginning and, and so, and kind of gung-ho with things. Anyway, but uh, but yes, that, so it's a, it's a beautiful little story. If you see it, it's, it's all about this thing and Chaplin uh, was definitely having an affair with Marion Davis who was Hearst's mistress. Bizarrely, he had an overt mistress. He was that powerful that he could have a mistress yeah. half the year and his wife was still there being Mrs. Um, Hurst and with the kids and then he'd have the mistress right. so she was allowed to carry on and have flings with other actors but she decided to have a fling with Chaplin or Chaplin did. and it, I, it was it, I think the, what we filmed there could well be true yeah yeah. Uh, so it's a kind of controversial murder story yeah, the, on the boat there's a sort of accidental murder uh, um, you know he was trying to it looks like he was trying to take Chaplin out and right. in a you know passion crime of passion the French would have said no that's no problem because uh, they have <laughs> Cream passionnel, which sounds like <laughs> cream. That sounds like a dessert. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a very interesting little story, and I, I love it. I've watched it a few times. I think it works. Yeah, and um, but then you work on big blockbusters like Ocean's Twelve. Ocean well, I 13. love the blockbusters. You know, I just I I would be happy to do blockbusters again because that's what you know action movies. I am an action transvestite. I, <laughs> I, but partly my thing is if they won't give me action movies to be in I will just do them myself I'll actually live the bloody things out <laughs> and then whoever does my life is going to have to go and run a load of marathons <laughs> in some sort of film but uh, yeah so uh, yeah Valkyrie was fantastic filmed it all in Berlin yeah um, and uh, Ocean's 12 getting a phone call from Jerry Weintraub and George Clooney saying when I was in my bedroom in <laughs> in, in uh, Kensal Green <laughs> and they say, do you want to come down to Rome for two weeks? And they go, uh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a very small role. It was just a cameo role. But they, they made it cameo as opposed to, it should have been a bit part role, but it was actually, they, they yeah. made it cameo role. So I was invited to hang out with them. They've kind of made a rod for own back in those, in those shows because they, they have to add an extra person every time. So by the time it gets to Ocean's 2000, it'll just be mainly... 
introducing all the characters and then that left to be the end? Well, it was... Uh, my one was... It, apparently, this is what Steven Soderbergh said. This, if you get to a problem in the story, then there is a the technique of add, you add a character in. Yeah. And that can, that can introduce a thing. Yeah. And so that is... That is a curious... They should I, have started with Ocean's One. I know. And well, this is what I thought in America. They'd yeah. go, where the hell's Ocean's One, Two, and... You know, this is, a, this is 11. I've missed 10 of these fucking films. <laughs> but um, no, it, it, was, it was fun to do, but, um, but I didn't have a big role in it, so that was kind of weird. If I felt yeah. like I'd got to Everest, but I was going to stay at base camp and wave as they all went up Everest going, Good, have fun, take nice photos. Uh, I'll, I'll be at base camp. I'll just I'll sweep up here. <laughs> <laughs> and also with Monty Python, which must be you sort of become the an extra member of Monty Python essentially. Oh, I was a, I was a stalker fan really yeah. of Monty Python. I just uh, I love this stuff. I went to seven out of the ten of the gigs. Right, um, and that that was interesting. I just I would have gone to ten, but I was touring on the first three, right. and so I just came back and I, I just invited friends. I would say, hey, do you want to come? I'm going. And I took the clip, a Thames clip. If you're going to the O2 to get the Thames clipper, it's nice. You go down there, there's a little bar, you can have a coffee or a beer or something, and then you go all the way down to the O2. And uh, one night, uh, I thought, actually, I'll not invite anyone tonight. I'll just go on my own. So I sat in all the seats of the O2 watching Python. <laughs> and, and everyone was watching, even on the most extreme right at the side. You'd think they'd go, oh, it's a bit weird sort of view angle here. Yeah. There's only one couple that weren't watching, and they were necking. <laughs> and they were, it was like it was a cinema thing, but they were just over at the corner. But yeah, it was very interesting. I just wandered around the entire thing, which we never get to do in our games. No. You never get to sit in the comedy gig and move all the way around. But it must be incredible. You know, you've worked with them, you've ended up you know, interviewing them, and, yeah. and yeah, being I, referred I, to as the Lost Python. Yeah, John called oh, me John. Lost Python. Yeah, and, I, nice. and I checked this, and I went up and said, John, did you really call me the Lost Python? <laughs> he said, yes, I did. And I thought, and I, I forgot to ask him, what did you mean? <laughs> And I think he meant lost in time. I think yeah. I'm just, I'm 20 years, almost exactly 20 years out of the loop of it. But, but when I heard that John was listening to um, uh, the Goon shows, and yeah. he said there were two um, um, broadcasts of the Goon shows, and he listened to the second one because he'd missed a joke and he couldn't hear it. So he'd have the, the radio pushed up to his ear and a cushion around his, to, to <laughs> hear what the joke was. And I thought, this is, that's how in-depth I was on it. Yeah. And bizarrely, my dad started playing me the Goon shows um, at the same time as I started hearing about the Python show. So I got the goons and the Python coming in at the same time, which is odd, yeah. uh, but, but beautiful. And I thought my stand-up, I thought all my stand-up was, was Python, the stand-up. But in fact, it, it does have this extra element, the narrator. The, what we d develop is the narrator, where we talk to the audience and say, you know, cheese and soup and you know we, and then we we put forth it and then you can do a whole scene with cheese saying i'm cheese how are you oh, i'm sick oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, bit ill today well you look a bit milky and uh and then all the scenes are actually just me doing python uh, totally influenced by python but all the narration is something i found from the street the street really made me the street yeah. is the key it's so hard to do the street it's just no one wants to watch you no. <laughs> I, used to, I remember setting up, I used to, I bought these tea cozies, different animal tea cozies, and I used to, and, and to, you need to get an audience, so you spend a lot of time just fucking around, trying to do stuff that looks kind of interesting. So I'd take about 10 minutes to put out a penguin tea cozy, and on the ground, I'd just put it on the ground, and I'd put it with a lot of focus, and everyone would think, what's he going to do with the penguin tea cozy? 
and I wouldn't do anything with it. But I, I take it. <laughs> but I remember doing this one day, and it was kind of windy, and it was Covent Garden, and it was not good, and and people were kicking over my props. So just walking through my show, and and I and I started this technique which I love, which was I started singing. There's no business like show business, and I would just sing that in an ironical way as I was setting up this for this obviously terrible show that's going to make me ten quid. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it really did make me, because in the end, the confidence comes out of your stomach. Yeah. You just burn from your stomach. You in the end, I, I started talking to invisible audiences. I would stand in front of a, no one and go, good evening, it's great to be here. You're, no, it's very funny. Okay, we're doing kind of, and I'm like, nice to see you here again today, and we're going to do a show today. And I just talked to no one, and I could talk and talk, and because and, and, I could keep going. I realized I could, I could like, the circular breath of the, the trumpet players and jazz, <laughs> and uh, until someone comes, how have we got some visible people here today <laughs> and I developed this, to this technique of imposing scenarios people would walk by like to an old couple and say that's Janine and Steve they are actors they're paid by me to walk around as an old couple Ginny Ginny Stevie how you doing mate? you see they ignore me they're in character they will not break it but if they look round they go they hey, hey. no but they look with a fixed stare don't they they stay in character even though they recognise me there's a fiver in the post fiver in the post mate. and they will be back in five minutes and they will be dressed totally differently and then I picked two other people and then I, I couldn't even remember was it Roger Kenny your names you keep moving your names uh, it didn't matter they knew it was bullshit yeah but um the, uh, the imposing scenarios. That was a beautiful idea. I did love that idea. There was one uh, up at the Edinburgh Festival, right? They have a parade. I don't know if they still have the parade, yeah. but they had a parade. And they had invited dignitaries, somebody as, as uh, dressed as, you know, there's uh, generals and a thing and the yeah, uniforms yeah. and dressed up, big coat, big frocks and all that kind of stuff. And they were at the front. At the back were a load of limos set up and all street performers waiting for this parade to stop so we could start performing. And I just realized I got a situation. And I said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, there's, gonna, there's uh, some friends of mine. I've got them to dress up. One is an army general and they've got them wearing <laughs> costumes and big frocks and stuff. And they're going to be coming through here, getting into the limos that I've arranged here. And they're all friends of mine. It's Kenny. He's dressed up as a general. It's Roger. He's dressed up as a a lady and they're going to be coming out and I just knew as they come out okay Roger Steve Kenny Janine you're looking great excellent get in the car get in the car for fuck's sake and I knew they couldn't fuck with it because they, they would all go like this look at that attention to detail there this is in character in character Stanis Lasky eat your fucking heart out get in there it was I, I, there was, they, 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 in the end, the limo drivers realised this is going to get back. They drove the limos around the corner because they, <laughs> they, they just realised I was going to, I was going to have such a beautiful situation. Ah. <laughs> it, it was, um, yeah, street performing in the yeah. end, playing with that, playing with people who didn't want to watch you in the first place. That is, that's why I'm, I've played Hollywood Bowl because of that. Because I don't think people, other stand-ups don't play Hollywood Bowl because they think it was outdoors. And yeah. The birds and things, but it's also I mean it's that length it's that length of time that you were working. I think like people don't necessarily I don't think I necessarily appreciated that it was that long that you were working Four at and a half it. years, yeah. and then that the drive and you know it's it's, it's sort of incredible. You need to be that d dedicated. Yeah. it's not it's not even being ambitious. It's just I love this job so much that I will do it wherever. 
well, I can do it. If you can do stuff you really like. Some yeah. people do stuff, you know, I remember meeting people on the circuit and they, they, their show was tired. And they go, yeah. well, I said, why, you just, why don't you do new stuff? And they go, well, I don't know how to do new stuff. All I wanted to be was on the circuit. I don't know what to do now. Yeah. You know, they got tired with it. But if you're constantly coming up with new stuff, that made it interesting and and. And do you think doing these impossible things is part of you pushing yourself to do something that's sort of impossible? Because no. on paper, the, doing a show in Arabic when you can't speak Arabic or r running around the whole of the United Kingdom is impossible. And then you've decided to do it and you can do it. No, it's more like this is more, you know, uh, special forces stuff do stuff yeah. this way. It's, it's not impossible. It's just improbable. <laughs> Mission improbable. It's, it's, it's not on the list. What I, I do love being off the list. You see, if you do the gossip column thing, you know, if, if pe people do the gossip, yeah, they're telling, hey, they're there, and you're on Strictly Come Elephant, and whatever, you know. <laughs> if you're doing those things, then you can, and you can get a, and yeah, we know you're on Strictly Come Elephant. And if you're not doing that, you better pull some your liver out of your lungs you've got to do something weird so I decided I'm going to do stuff that no one really gives a shit about like look, touring France and French I think it's amazing I'm going to tell everyone cats and dogs and everyone endlessly about this I've become a really boring twerp on it but no one really gives a monkey it's not like just back from France he's done it it's, no one it's not happening no front cover of anything it's just but I think it's beautiful so um, that's what I do and I do those because they make me feel good yeah um, it means that um, if I go around like this and someone gives me grief, I will go into them. I will walk into them and say, is there a problem? Like the kids in Antibes, right down in the south of France, who decided to get arsy with me. Yeah. So I heard, I was walking out the door of, it's just a state, there's a little cafe at the station, and I was walking out, and I heard them, hang on, I'm going back in. And I said, il y a un problème, il y a un problème ici? Yeah, it's so cool. And the, and the, the boy, young teenage boys, they were giving me shit. They are going, uh, you, you know, you, you, you want to fuck man? Is that, what, what's going yeah. on here? You know, they're just being very negative. I said, be cool, Sway. Cool man, sway cool. See the troisième millionaire, sway cool. And I just stood in front of them, and I wouldn't move. I do this thing of, of when people get into sniggering and giggling, I go and stand next to them, and I get my phone out and I just look at things. And I did this. There was a restaurant I was touring in America, and these teen again teenage boys these were, and so we're going into a restaurant. And uh, going in, and the, one of the guys opens the door, and as it goes in, I can hear this thing. What, what the fuck is that? They go in, and so they've all got into this huddle and the giggle thing. So I thought, fuck it, I'm going back out. So I go back out as if I'm going to make a phone call or text or something. And I stand right next to them. So if they're, they're there, I stand there, <laughs> and I do this. And then the giggling, and, the, and the, they can't do it because it's too close. So then they move over to the side, and I just, I just wander over <laughs> and do it there. And, and then I, I could see them like mentally blowing up and then they started leaving. They started leaving and they were going, they'd all come out to eat. And then there was one guy who obviously was the least bothered about this. He says, are we eating or what? Because they had gone home. It's an amazing, it's a wonderful little thing. You yeah. just stand next to the people who are giving you grief. Now, the, the, the kids in Antibes, they were giving more overt grief. And um, so I had to front them all out. And there was one girl who was positive and the rest were kind of negative, but I will front that out. And then the kid, Yassine kid, uh, he's, he's known in France and he's up and coming there. So, and, and he's from Algeria as well. So it's, uh, he's very cool and... And as I was leaving, and I felt I'd done my bit, and we'd had a bit of an argument, and fuck it, whatever. And then they go, hey, it says Yassine. And they're all running up saying, hey, Yassine, you're on the telly. I thought, I know Yassine. So I came and stood there. Yeah, I know him. So, uh, and then Yassine's going, is this cool? You, have you got a problem with this? And they go, you, but, and why? And he says, no, he's a, he's a very good comedian. Uh, 
And it's all in French. All this is happening in French. And, uh, and then he says, if you're cool, so yes, he said, if you're cool, we'll do a selfie. And then the girls stayed and the boys all ran. There's, there's a, if you go back in my timeline, you'll see this. There's three girls there. And in the background, there are these boys just trying to... <laughs> one guy with a backpack. I'm getting out of here. I can't be standing next to a guy with, guy with lipstick on. But um, that's my special forces thing. So these things are not impossible things. They're, they're, they're partly to get publicity for... You know, we, we yeah. want people to buy and come and, and know it. And we obviously, if we value our stuff, we think our stuff might be better than some mainstream saying, hey, some mainstream doodah stuff. You know, <laughs> we're trying to do some really interesting stuff here. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's all about, is trying to crack through. And if I can't get publicity headlines on it because you've got to be doing gossip column and all that kind of stuff, then I'll get gra gr grassroots level yeah. stuff. That's what I'm doing. So people go, well, fair play. Fair play, you know. I didn't, I didn't know about this, but now I know. Fucking hell, you know. Yeah. And I'll, I'll come along and I'll check it out. You know, that's you can get straight through. And with social media, we can do this. Yeah. We can just circumnavigate the thing. That's why you're doing the podcast, you know. Yeah, we just no, cut straight through. Well, I mean, it's, are you claiming who you are? I think, isn't it? This is what your life is. You're sort of you're making. You're making a. This is who I am. Yeah, and, and this is what anyone can be. And I encourage anyone to, if you can make life into an adventure, because life is can be really tricky. There's an analogy of of a river. If life is a river, if you see these canoeists when they do the speed stuff, they really canoe fast <laughs> to get yourself and, and navigate your, the direction you want. You've got to paddle like crazy. And that's what it is. That's what life is. To really actually navigate through life, you've got to be putting some effort in. If you, if, if you just float along, it could dash you against the rocks. You could have a beautiful life, but you could just end up smashed against the rocks. And I don't, I don't like those rocks. Well, we've got to end it, so that seems like a good place to end it. So will you give a massive round of applause to Eddie Izzard, ladies and gentlemen. Eddie Izzard, thank you very You have been listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Eddie Izzard. What? How do we get him? The music is by Pess. Uh, thank you to everyone at Leicester Square Theatre. Thank you to everyone from Go Faster Stripe who make all of this possible. Thank you very much to my producer, Dave Cribb. He does an excellent job. Uh, this is a Sky Potato, Go Faster Stripe and Fuzz production for the internet. Hope you enjoyed the show. Do come and see me on tour if you like me. Maybe just like the guests and that's fine. So don't come and see me on tour. My show's called Happy Now uh, and it will be all over the country. Go to richchang.com and you can find out all the dates for that. It's selling well already, so do book ahead if you want to come. Uh, I think it's a lovely way to support me. Thank you. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges. Buy a one-off badge or buy a monthly badge and you get some lots of extras and a secret channel and all sorts of stuff. You'll be able to see me interviewing Eddie Izzard backstage if you get pay a pound a month, amongst many other things. Uh, so thank you for listening. Do spread the word about the podcast. Tell all your friends if you have enjoyed it. And why wouldn't you have enjoyed it today? I don't know. Because you're an idiot? Yeah, that's the only reason. Thanks for listening. If you didn't enjoy it and you got this far, you really are an idiot. So you deserve everything you've got there. Goodbye.